Hey everybody, welcome to episode 5 of the RPI Athletics Podcast. Perilous Garris here. Uh, today's episode, we will speak with the RPI men's head hockey coach, Dave Smith, as well as the senior captain, Will Riley, who's on his way uh, to start his professional career with the Pittsburgh Penguins. In our second half, we have women's basketball talk, head coach John Green, along with the, his three seniors, Celia Tomlinson, Sam Crumbar, and Ines Ortea. It's a good one. We hope you stick around. Uh, for today's pot. For more than 35 years, CDPHP has been keeping you in the game by providing top-notch healthcare coverage, superior customer service, and the tools you need to live your healthiest life. They're also a proud sponsor of your RPI engineers, CDPHP. A plan for life. Joining me on the phone are, uh, well, first off, uh, head coach of the RPI Engineers, Dave Smith from Arthur, Ontario. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for jumping on the podcast today. You're welcome. It's uh, it's always great to, to talk hockey, especially uh, during these times. And also, uh, senior captain Will Riley, a business and management major from Toronto, Ontario, and a recent uh, signee with the Pittsburgh Penguins, Will. Thanks for joining us as well. Yep, thanks for having me, Perry. Uh, you know, coming off of, uh, I guess, it's tough to maybe put into words completely, but I'm sure you've had to do it a few times. Uh, an exciting year, but also a disappointing year with how it all went down. Uh, Coach, can you give me your, your thoughts now looking back up now we're a month out from when the season unfortunately came to an end uh, unexpectedly? Yeah, it, uh, it it's one of the most unique situations of my lifetime, let alone as my lifetime as a hockey coach and um you know as i we've had some time now it's been about a month uh, since the decision to end the ECAC playoffs and so many other different sporting events but that time has allowed me to really reflect on the full season where uh, when it first happened all we could think about was uh, the the playoffs and the opportunities that were lost and what if Lake Placid had to happen and those things. But when I do think back on the season, uh, I just think back about the the ups and the downs, the big periods that we had, you know, like, and, and some of our best moments came from bad, bad things. You know, Clarkson scored two in the first period, and then we come back and dominate them. Well, we carried that lesson over into beating them in a North Country sweep. So I really think the story of the season was when given the opportunity, this group led by eight seniors and, and Will as our captain um, learned from adversity, grew tremendously as a group, and we're on the cusp of what we think were, were some really great memories uh, beyond, um, beyond where we had reached already. So a tremendous growth, uh, really proud of the effort and the response to um, everything that came at us this season. Well, uh, you know, you had your initial reaction, obviously, as a player. It's a little bit different than coach, but some of it's the same, you know, kind of in your season ripped away, having a chance to reflect on that a month later now. Um, yeah, obviously, it's still really hard to kind of process everything. I think it all kind of came to an end so quickly that, um, kind of like Coach said, uh, you know, it's it was really hard to just, um, you know, kind of think about the entire season. You know, I think everyone was sort of just in shock and everything. But 
um, like Coach said, you know, just looking back, it was, um, you know, I was really proud of how the team really uh, came together. And, um, yeah, I think there was a lot of moments in the season that kind of, you know, could have gone either way. And, you know, we really came together as a team, like I said. And, uh, you know, it doesn't make it any easier that we couldn't, um, you know, finish finish what we started. But, um, you know, I was really, really proud to be on the team with, with the with the other, uh, you know, 20, 29 guys. And, um, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, a really good season for, for our program, for sure. Uh, just going over it, uh, not too quickly, but, uh, you know, you started the year, you had some, you had some, some, some close losses, some, some games where you gave up a couple empty netters. And so the score may look a little more lopsided than the actual result to, that you guys played, but it seemed like you guys were in a place where you'd win a game, win a game, lose a game every weekend. Uh, you couldn't quite put a, a full weekend together. Uh, Coach, is that what you kind of saw from you know, not the first half of the year, maybe the first thir- third of the season? Yeah, for sure. Um, I know that, uh, you know, our, our, after our exhibition game, we you know, lose, win, lose, win, um, and had moments in there that we played very well. You know, we scored seven against Canisius. Um, yep. But what I started to notice was that our penalty kill was really good, and that was something that we would rely upon all year. I think, you know, then we come back and have the opening ECAC weekend against Union where I thought we dominated the early game, part of the game against Union at Union, but we didn't know how to handle that. And so we win 3-2, but the next night was a really disappointing tie. So we continue that loss win, and um, then we beat SLU, and we score six and, and, and felt great. And then we have Clarkson at home where I mentioned that earlier. So, we're again, we're back and forth. Um then we had a tough road trip. I think we played poorly at Princeton. The QPAC beat us in the first period. Um, you know, we had a tough weekend at Lowell and Merrimack where we didn't play well, and I thought that was really the the turning point of our season. And to our guys' credit, we come back home, we play Yale, we outplay them by a lot, and lose 4-1. And that could have pushed us the wrong way. But instead... We stuck with it, and we get that last-second goal against Brown. Um, so even though we went win-loss, win-loss, the lessons learned really took hold on that game um, or that weekend that we just stuck with the game plan. We stuck with the effort. We kept improving. Um, and from that point, including the Brown game on, we went 11-3 and in the league. So, uh, you know, sometimes those 50-50 runs never end where you win, lose, win, lose, and you play all year, and you're like, man, we just couldn't get any traction. Um, but we did get traction, and it started with that um, win, but it started just briefly before that with some small glimpses. Uh, Will, did you kind of have that feeling that you that you guys were on the cusp? I know the Quinnipiac game, you guys scored first, and you really, you know, you all played them in that first period, uh, but you couldn't find that second goal, and they eventually won it 3-1. to one. Then the Harvard game, you know, the uh, the following weekend, where you, you come back to tie it and, you know, and they, and they pull away. Do you feel like you were on the cusp of something, you know, like a season that you guys ended up having at that point? Um, yeah, I think uh, something that we actually talked about a lot at, sort of at that time period of the season was, was our starts. And we just felt that, um, you know, our starts just weren't good enough for whatever reason. And uh, it's not that we didn't talk about it. We talked about it a lot. We just couldn't, figure out how to start a game properly. And I think it was uh, kind of the worst part of that was the Merrimack weekend that coach just touched on there. And 
Um, you know, both games, we just got off to terrible starts and uh, just kind of was demoralizing for our confidence. And then I think continuing on um, throughout the season, that's something we really worked on. And, um, you know, I really felt that throughout the season, once, once we got up on a team, um, you know, it was, it was really, uh, we really played with confidence the rest of the game. And I think that turned into actually a strength of ours was getting off to a good start and then just playing our game for 60 minutes. And I think that um, the only two games I can think of that we didn't do that were our uh, losses in sort of in the whole second half there with Cornell and Western Michigan. I think, um, you know, those, those weekends there were, were basically the only time that we lost in the second half down the stretch there. And it was our starts again. So I think that we kind of figure that out um, throughout the way. And another thing to touch on is that Western Michigan weekend. I think that, um, you know, I think they were probably one of the best teams we saw all year. Um, I think they had like seven guys signed NHL deals. So um, I think, you know, at the time it didn't seem like it was a positive weekend for us, but I think it was a real eye opener for our whole team. And, I think after that weekend, we just sort of told ourselves, like, listen, like, obviously it wasn't the weekend that we wanted to have, but um, I think we need, I think we showed ourselves what it takes to, you know, win games. And after that, I think we were, um, you know, playing really well down the stretch there and then obviously uh, came to a quick end. But, um, yeah, I think that's a good assessment for sure. Uh, A few guys, I'll I'll, I'll read you a couple of stats to, that I think are, are, are pertinent to how the second half went. Uh, from, from January 1st to the end of the year, uh, a 1.88 team goals against average of six in the country. Uh, scored average exactly three goals a game the rest of the way. Uh, and you led the, you led, the, led the nation in empty netters, seven empty net goals from January 1st to the end of the year, which means you're putting teams away. Uh, the penalty kill, second half, or January to the end of the year, 87.3% was 10th in the country. Um, you know, what those, what do those kind of numbers tell you about, uh, about your play coach first? Well, that, uh, we were a good team and we were a good right. team. And, um, you know, when you dig deep as you have done Perry in, in being with us all year and your prep for this podcast, uh, uh, you, you, you get to see seven empty net goals. But on the on the average that you look at, you never see that. But winning teams have um, some unique characteristics. They score more because of those seven empty netters. So it takes our average um, up significantly. Um, but what I think about the most is that, um, you know, our power play, while it wasn't good, got better near the end. And we started to score in the power play. Our penalty kill, to me, was the key to our season because it, it kept other teams. We were winning the special teams game over the season, so it kept us in games. We didn't lose games because of the other team's power play. Um, but when I put it all together, our guys really worked at being a complete team, and we defended, we scored, we did, were good in special teams, we we got real good on faceoffs, um, up a little up and down through the season. Um but that January one run on, um, our guys gained confidence. Our guys gained a belief in the simple things that we were doing, and they gained that confidence um, through some adversity in the first half. So I don't think we could have had the success without realizing that defeat 
in some of those first half games, but it also made our celebrations just that much better to watch those guys sing the songs in the second half. And, um, you know, it was, uh, that, that's, that's what the guys are going to remember. They're going to remember how good we were and, and how disappointing it was. But those, those songs were, I mean, I, I forget which game and maybe Will can tell you, but there was a game that our guys started to think they were pretty good. And I got mad at them because the song was half hearted. Brown. I said, I said, yeah, I said, fellas, I said, winning is hard, but it's worth it. So you better sing your guts out. And and Will can tell his version of that, but um, it was a complete effort on the ice in terms of there was no one thing that we put all of our emphasis on. We tried to play as a complete team, and that gives you different ways to win games. Some nights it was penalty kill. I think at the Canisius game, um, we won on the power play. Uh, you know, some nights it was goaltending. Some nights it was defense. The Vermont game, we needed a great first period defensively, and then we found a, a goal. So complete effort is what I think about uh, on those statistics from January 1 on. Was it the Brown game, Will? Is that what you said? I think so, yeah. That's what I remember. And then I, I think it was the Brown game, and then I think we were at Brown Friday night. I think we won 3 nothing, and kind of felt pretty comfortable about ourselves. And then, um, you know, it, it just backfired clearly. I think the next night at Yale, yeah, Yale. Was, yeah. uh, probably our worst game of the year. And I think that was right before – uh, the new year, actually, and I think we started had a team meeting after that and said, all right, this is enough, you know, we need to appreciate winning and stuff like that, and um, like you just outlined after January 1st there, we kind of turned it around and had a pretty good round there. Uh, Mayor's Cup for you, you, you get that, that win, what does it feel like to, to finally lift the cup to add captain of the team? Um, yeah, it was great, obviously. I think that um, that game was just so... Uh, it was just interesting the way it played out. I think, honestly, I think it was one of our best games of the year energy-wise, I remember. Obviously, uh, we made some mistakes throughout the game, but just the energy our team had throughout the game was uh, really impressive, I found. And, you know, we didn't we didn't get down on ourselves. You know, um, you know, we felt like we were, we were going to win that game the whole time. Obviously, it took to a shootout, but... Um, you know, just to win uh, that in, in our, in my class senior year, I think that uh, you know, we, we really didn't want to go four years without winning one. So that was obviously nice to get one for sure. I got one more stat for you guys. Uh, last year, total goals, or total shots, excuse me, for and against the team was minus 289. Uh, this year, minus 43. Uh, you know, it, that's not exactly coursey, but it, that's what it's derived from. Um, coach, looking at that kind of information, and you guys have the actual coursey numbers, you know, how much better were you guys in that in that type of situation? Yeah, head and shoulders better. Um, you know, I think our goalies, and, and any good goalie, there's a lot of good goalies in college hockey, but if you if they see less shots and they see less um, quality shots, they have a better chance of saving them. So, um, you know, I think our basic philosophy as a as a hockey program is – limit the shots against and create more shots for. And then the higher quality on both of those, uh, the better. So we were just a better team on that. We defended harder, which eliminated some shots. We possessed the puck better. um, And we put those things together. I think that's why our numbers uh, were where they were, especially in the second half. But over the course of the, the year, you know, we end up third in the, 
third in the lead scoring defense and fourth in scoring, um, to me, those are directly related to, um, to Corsi as well as staying out of the penalty box, right? That just keeps other teams' shots down. Uh, Will, uh, a finalist for defensive, uh, best defensive defenseman in the league. And, you know, I think when you came into RPI, thinking all the way back then, uh, what I heard was that, you know, you get a lot of times guys get labeled offensive defensemen or what have you. Um, did you, was there any point where you were saying, I'm trying to shake this label, or were you just saying that didn't think that was actually what you were and kind of try to play your way into being a, a complete D-man you are now? Um, no, I knew I knew that I was an offensive defenseman. I, I don't think that was a secret, but I knew that if I wanted to get to the next level, I really needed to focus and, and really work on my defensive game. I think there's a lot of areas that I need to improve on, and um, you know, I think after my freshman sophomore year, I, I was really struggling on defense. And after that, I really just, um, kind of told myself, you know, I wasn't going to focus too much on offense. Obviously it's nice to, you know, help out, uh, chip in offensively, but, you know, I needed to realize that I was a defenseman first and I just, I just needed to have an overall complete game. So it's something I consciously worked on all the time and, um, you know, the coaching staff really helped me out with that. But um, it was obviously nice to be recognized as a defensive defenseman, but I don't I don't think I'm a defensive defenseman, but uh, <laughs> maybe maybe I am. But, um, yeah, I, I, I guess it's nice to uh, sort of, uh, you know, have a complete game now, I guess you could say. So it's nice for sure. Only, uh, only five defensemen in, in program history since 2000. I guess I shouldn't say program history. Only five RPI defensemen since the turn of the century have 60 points in their career. And that's, you know, Nick Balin, Brad Farnick, Mike Prapovestis, Brian Brulog, and Will O'Reilly. Uh, Coach, what did you see from Will as far as defensive uh, improvements in his career so far? Well, I think if I answered that question unfiltered, it would make Will sound like he didn't know what he was doing at the beginning. <laughs> but that's not, that's not the truth. I think Will described it really well in that um, – it's the repetition of, of trying to be great that, that will brought to the rink every day. So, you know, it's a simple thing like just stick position, stick on puck. And while it sounds simple that you could just make that quick change, um, the difference is night and day from where will was when I came in as a sophomore and, and will deserves the credit for that. Obviously, you know, coaches like Chuck and, and Scott and, um, and Nate, uh, you know, we all work with these guys, uh, but they have to make that investment. Um, and I, I agree with Will. I don't think of Will as a defensive defenseman. I don't think that's his right. identity. And the way the league um, awards come out, right, you get you can nominate guys, but you can't vote for your guy, your own guys. And the other the the other coaches in the league recognize that Will Riley had the best plus minus in the league at plus seventeen, and mm-hmm. Um, he logged between 22 and 30 minutes a night, especially down the stretch. And he played all the tough matchups against the other team's best and most talented offensive players. So when you have, I know this is a simple formula, but you have an offensive defenseman that can defend the other team's best players. He can play big minutes. It's no surprise that Will Riley signed a contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I mean, uh, we're getting to that now. This is part of the uh, podcast. That's a good uh, lead-in, Dave. Uh, Will was the 
64th RPI player drafted in the NHL uh, back in 2017. Uh, first, Bill, tell me, tell us what the uh, the draft process was like um, all the way back then. Um, well, draft process started me kind of two years earlier when I was uh, my first year of eligibility and thought I was going to get picked for sure that year. That was my uh, whatever, 17, 18-year-old year, so after my first year of junior, and then didn't, didn't end up getting picked. And then uh, the next year I went out to the BCHL, my second year of eligibility, didn't get picked again, and then obviously um, came to RPI and then um, didn't, didn't talk to any teams really the whole year. And then I remember one Pittsburgh scout called me like, kind of in, I think it was like in April or something. I remember I was at the student union and I was just talking to them for a bit. And, um, you know, I said they, uh, you know, they liked the way I played and stuff like that and that they were, uh, they were going to draft me. And I was like, oh, I've, I've heard, I, I didn't say, I obviously didn't say anything, but I was like, I was thinking to myself, oh, I've heard this before. And then, um, you know, I remember my 17 year old year, I talked to like pretty much every team. And so I thought there was no chance I was going to get picked, but then they picked me. So, um, you know, I guess you never really know what's going to happen, but, uh, you know, I was really surprised, but obviously really, uh, really happy to get picked for sure. And, uh, obviously, uh, Dave, you know, in your career, you know, working with players that have gone on to the NHL, you know, what, what is the, their situation, what is the situation like for players who are either waiting to get picked or, uh, you know, anticipating that, or, you know, maybe feeling disappointed when they aren't that kind of thing. Well, I think they all have a dream, right? They all have a dream. Uh, every player has a dream. They want to play in the National Hockey League. Um, some move closer to it every day, um, and the draft is something that sort of gives them a bump, right? So when they mm-hmm. do get drafted, and um, I think there's certain characteristics, and I was fortunate enough to coach a guy named Kevin Bieksa, um, who played a long time in the oh, National yeah. Hockey League, and um, a hell of a player and you know what him uh, what Kevin and, and Will have in common is they have that dream that stays very fresh in their mind and, and they think about it all the time and um, you know they, they picture themselves there but they they also move towards it they work towards it and and I can remember having conversations with at the time the Vancouver um, scout a guy who who will may even know Dave Morrison who's a, a Toronto area guy I remember telling him he'd come in and say well really like Kevin Bieksa um, why do you think he's going to play in the NHL and I'd say he just he thinks about it all the time he's so passionate he's going to do whatever it takes and this year when the Pittsburgh staff would check in with me I'd say the same thing about Will I said I think he's going to play in the National Hockey League he just wants it that bad so guys that get drafted Sometimes they just get a little more vivid picture of what it looks like to play in that league. And I think that really helped Will um, keep moving forward at an incredible pace. And uh, I'm looking forward to that day of watching Will play uh, in the NHL. And I think, again, it'll be um, because he goes to bed at night thinking about it. He wakes up in the morning working towards it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, not that you could have picked the team, but the Pittsburgh Penguins are a team that have, you know, at least in the last 10 years, you know, really gone after college hockey players. I think they had 17 on their uh, seven, in the 2017 cup-winning team. Um, do you think about that at all, Will, as, as, some, as a, 
you know, as there is not necessarily a divide between, you know, major juniors in, in college hockey, but, you know, there is a little bit of a, a stigma there, and the Penguins seem like a team that, you know, will you know, go after college players. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think, like you said, I think they have 17 guys or whatever from college, and I think that's just good for me, um, you know, they, that they like college players. Obviously, there's good players everywhere, um, but, you know, some teams uh, some teams love, you know, major junior guys. Some teams love college guys. Some teams love, uh, you know, European guys. And, um, you know, I think that every team is successful no matter uh, no matter uh, where, where you pick your guys from. I think there's good players everywhere, but obviously it's nice that, um, you know, Pittsburgh has some uh, trust with college players, so hopefully that's uh, that's good for me. And uh, Dave, do you, do you see that that can, that trend continuing? I know you know maybe back 10, 15 years ago there there weren't a ton of college hockey players in the NHL, but it seems like that that number continues to to grow as years go on. Yeah, I, I think that it's um, really speaks to the development. You know, we we are privy to the statistics about what it means to sign after your first year, your second year, third year of college, et cetera. But, um, you know, we use language such as a longer runway. Um, Will Riley had the chance to, 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 to try his hand at pro hockey a year ago. Um, but that longer runway allowed him to just get a little bit more experience, a little bit more savvy, a little bit more red because, um, while Will is right on, good players come from everywhere. Good players also get passed all the time by other better players who are more ready. And you don't want to be that guy who's got a pro contract but immediately starts getting passed by other guys who are more ready. And that's where I think Will has really flourished. And, uh, again, he did not plateau any time at all during his college career. He stayed motivated. He stayed in impressed by um, the NHL and working towards his dream and he got better and now he's ready to go there and take the job because that's what pro hockey is he's going to have to take a job from somebody he'll get handed nothing and I think Will will flourish in that environment and Will uh, I'll let you uh, close out uh, our interview here with uh, you know just you know what it what it meant for you to look back on the the year that you, that you had in college here and in your career and then uh, you know moving ahead uh, you know what it meant for you to come back and, and finish your senior season I guess not finish but uh, you know what I mean uh, and uh, what you're looking forward to as far as the Penguins are concerned. Um, yeah, I think obviously it was a tough way to end my college career. Uh, no question about that. But um, looking back on the four years, you know. Um, you know, I think when we came in as freshmen, um, obviously the season didn't go as planned and, um, you know, there's a coaching change and, you know, no one really knows going on. And then when Dave came in, um, you know, we could tell right from the start that it was, you know, a different vibe and obviously we struggled the first year. And then, um, you know, that's, that was, that was not surprising. We had, you know, a ton of freshmen and sophomores and only three seniors and, um, you know, I think uh, I've learned a lot over my college career. I think something I've learned is that it's really important to have, uh, you know, a good a good senior group. I think that, 
you know, seniors really drive the team, you know, matter, no matter, no matter what type of team it is. And I think um, you see that across, you know, college hockey, um, you know, it's really important to have, you know, an older group. And, um, you know, I just have really, uh, really enjoyed my time at, at RPI. I think um, I've, I've learned a ton as not only a player, but as a person too. And, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, our season this past season was, um, you know, a really good stepping point for the for the program, and uh, I can't wait to see what the what the program accomplishes in the in the next couple of years. I know that a ton of really good players, you know, on the team right now that will, uh, you know, also sign NHL contracts. In my opinion, um, and you know, I just can't uh, can't wait to get my professional career started. Um, you know, I'm not sure when that will be. You know, with everything going on, but um, you know, I guess. Uh, you know, it's just been it's just been a really fun time at RPI, and really, I'm really grateful that I had an opportunity to to be part of the program for four years. Wins leader, women's basketball, 267. Uh, John, uh, one of our four guests in this part of the portion of the podcast. John, thanks for coming on the pod today. Hi, Perry. Thank you very much for having me on and, and, and having uh, the seniors. It's a real privilege. Also, we have uh, three uh, seniors from the women's basketball team, Ines Ortea, a civil engineering major from Madrid, Spain. Ines, uh, thanks for coming on. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, Sam Crumbar, also a senior architecture major from Glen Burnie, Maryland. Uh, Sam, thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you. And Celia Tomlinson, a senior industrial and management engineering major from South Kingstown, Rhode Island. You at home now, Celia? Uh, I'm in Troy. You're in Troy. Okay. Just like home. (laughs) Exactly. For for some. All right, guys. uh, Thanks so much for coming on. Here to talk women's basketball. a real fine season you guys had, and I'll start with Coach. 18 and 11 overall, 12 and 6 in the league. Uh, made a run, a couple of postseason tournaments we'll, we'll get to eventually. But uh, John, what was your kind of thoughts looking back on the year that you've had a chance to reflect on now? It was an outstanding year, and um, you know, I know you're really familiar with women's college basketball at all levels, and especially at Division Three, and and really how much uh, the level of play, how great it is, the parity. Um, and how tough it is, and how long the season it is, and for our team to perform at the at the level they did for the amount of time they did was just outstanding. And we we thought, you know, going into this year, we had a really good group of returners and a good group of first years, and um, the commitment level. And one of the things I always talk about every year is uh, the ability to have the same enthusiasm and energy and excitement every day the same on day one as on, you know, on day 100 as on day one. And, and this group really had it, and um, it was particularly the leadership from Inez and Sam and Celia to bring that every day. And um, it was it was great to be a part of and, um, you know, to see not only the seniors and the others, how they have progressed over there three or four and two years, and but also to see the first years and how everyone just from day one was – totally committed, 
extremely excited and that we had that enthusiasm and energy. Um, so it was a, you know, a great year to be a part of and a you know, real privilege to be able to be working with the women from day one. Uh, Celia, I'll start with you. Um, you really a breakout year for you, for all the accolades and everything, you know, almost 16 points a game. Uh, did, did you feel like you needed to step up from maybe the, the last couple of years where you didn't see as many minutes as you did this season and you really kind of flourished in the, with the opportunity there? Um, not really. I'll be honest with you. Um, I, we kind of, I think the whole goal was, um, the whole time was to play as a team. And I think, um, those points kind of just came from that. I don't think um, there was really any pressure on me to step up. Um, like Ines and Sam um, and we our other starters were all capable of scoring 10-plus um, points a night. I think it was just whoever we needed at least three or four people to hit double digits. Um, so I think it was kind of a team effort. For sure. And, uh, Sam, after, you know, having that season off, uh, you came back as strong as ever. Uh when I looked at, when I went back and looked at the stats for all three of you and the team, really, it, what really stood out was uh, field goal efficiency and just really scoring efficiency. You guys stepped that level of your game up across the board, and do you, do you feel like that you know, comes with confidence, or what, what made you guys such better, you know, scores per, per, per possession or, or per shot? Uh, I think a lot of it was we were just wanting to have fun, and part of that took the pressure off of, oh, we need to make this shot, or we need to make, we need to make. And we just had fun and played as a team, which was different from other years that we've played together. And and that's uh, you you know you've been pretty consistent with your play throughout uh, your you know career. Once you got a chance to play a good number of minutes, what what part of this team did you really see come out in this year's 18-1 season? Um, as Sam was saying, I think um, the team got a lot closer as like a team, and I think that had a lot of impact on the way we played as a team. And I think that was. Um, that would made us do so well and get and get so far. And uh, you guys, you, you won a lot of you know really close games. Ultimately, you, your, your regular season uh, ended, or I guess your postseason literally plays. So I think they're lost and it fell in a, in a tight game. But what what help, helped you guys win? You know, two point win over Ithaca uh, on the road. You guys had um, you know you know a couple of buzzer beater type situations. You know what made you guys. So, you know, clutch, I guess you could say, in, in some of those games. Was it, you know, being seniors and being through similar situations before? I'll let anyone handle that. Um, I think, oh, go ahead, Celia. Sorry. One of the things the coaches said early on um, is that we were a team that did really well with our back up against the wall. So when we knew we had to win, we had to come through in the last couple minutes. Um, that was when we played our best basketball. Uh, we were never a team that was always up by 20 points or winning games um, pretty single-handedly. We always kind of fought for what we um, what we needed, and I think that helped us get the tight wins. Sorry, Sam, what were you going to say? Yes, oh, oh, I was going to say, I know I talked to Celia about this, but in some of those close games, like, it, there was just a feeling like, like, of an, like an undying confidence that we could pull through no matter how close the game got. Um, and I think that carried us just having that hope um, as a team in those close games. Uh, John, did, did you or Sarah see anything in this group? Was there anything you had to add, or were these three the leaders as far as, you know, in, in I know you, you lead the discussion probably in huddles and in late game situations, but what was said in those type situations? I think, you know, there are a couple of things. Um, I do think, although Sam wasn't playing last year because she was away, um, I think the, the games 
example, the the loss out at um, Ithaca in overtime two years ago, and that it was really a playoff environment and the way that our team faced diversity there, I think that was maybe not conscious in anyone's mind. Um, but those types of games of having been in those situations and and discussed about, you know, how does the outcome be different in the future, you know, if it's visualization, if it's, you know, um, just working through that at the confidence level. But I think the other part goes to this group, because there's a lot of ability to score from a lot of different people and confidence, and I, you know, I have this terminology, and it's corny and um, about effort, like fun and effort, um, that they really they embody that, and um, I think that sense of knowing that they can trust they could trust anyone in any position to make a basket when it was needed to come up with a rebound or it was needed to come up you know with a steal, whatever it happened to be. Um, and to go to Celia's point, the idea that um, it wasn't like we were blowout wins on people, that everything was earned. And and I think the, everyone knowing that from their past experience and that being, you know, transferred to the first years that you have to earn every day, not just in games, but every practice and not take plays off. And they would bring that and the leadership would bring that every day to practice so that when you're in that situation in the game, um, you have the will as well as the confidence to, to make those things happen. And, you know, I I think that every huddle we had in any game was always positive. Like when we broke from that huddle, regardless of what had happened before that, that um, and particularly, again, from, from the leadership, from, from the seniors and the other players on the team, of they having a sense that we have this ability and we have this opportunity in front of us. It wasn't like they looked at it like, oh, my God, we're in this situation. It was, oh, my God, we're in this situation, and we know we can come you know, come through. And um, I think that those combination of all those things, you know, led to that sense of being able to uh, perform under a lot of pressure. Absolutely. Uh, back to Celia, you guys, at the end of, you know, last day of January and the first few days of February, you guys lost four games in a row. And, you know, looking back now and say, okay, you guys were able to turn it around and win, you know, five, six, or uh, five in a row the other way. Uh, was there, a, was there a, a turning point there? I know it was a tough schedule uh, with the likes of, you know, Union, Vassar, Ithaca in that run of losses. But was there anything that you guys have doubts at all? Or was it something that you knew that you guys had it in you to, to turn the thing around? I mean, I think coming out of those losses, um, we were all pretty – pretty bummed, um, but we knew ultimately our goal um, was to make the Liberty League uh, championship, and we knew that to do that, even to make the tournament, um, we had to kind of win out, and so um, that was kind of always our goal um, from that point on, and I think we kind of took it upon ourselves. Um, we met in the locker room, and we said, listen, like, none of us like losing. Um, this isn't a fun feeling for any of us. We've worked really hard this whole season, preseason, um, and postseason last year, and so we decided that we wanted to kind of take it into our own hands and take it personally and come back with um, a few wins after that. So. And, uh, Sam, you had the, the big – the first win of that winning streak was against William Smith uh, at home. Um, you know, what was what was that like? And, and you ran off really a number of, of close victories, including two in the North Country that helped you uh, get a home game in the, in the Liberty League tournament. Sam, 
Sam? Uh, sorry, what'd you say? Uh, that the the William Smith game, you guys get the 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 win at home uh, to send you on that five game winning streak. You know, was was that like a tipping point as far as kind of, that kind of flipped a switch, or was it something else that helped um, you guys go on that winning streak at the end of the year? Yeah, that definitely helped. But I think what the switching, like the turning point, was actually before that game where we like wanted to have fun again because I think some of those games and some of the practices going into those games that we lost. We weren't necessarily having fun or as focused as we were. So I think part of it, it started like the week before the William Smith game. Okay. I also think that the game um, helped us like recover the hope on ourselves and um, knowing that we were like able to win and keep working for it instead of um, giving up. So I thought that was the game, like as Sam said, it was before that when we started working for it, but also the win, it was a great win. And that was like a big turning point. And then the next day, uh, Saturday, was, was senior day. And it's always a big day for any senior class, but especially you guys who have, have been through a, a lot in your careers here. You know, what was it like to, to win on senior day, knowing that you still had work to do? Um, that was an amazing day. I really I really liked it, um, having all these people come into our games. It was, like, really motivating. And I think, um, of course, we worked hard and we played together to win, but I think – all the people supporting us also had a huge role in our win. So I think it was a really, really fun day. Yeah, and you guys saw it. I know all three of you saw it. And, and it kind of carried over both men's and women's side of things as far as uh, fan support in the, league, in the league tournament on a Tuesday uh, as well. And, uh, you know, what was that like, you know, having that kind of support from your classmates and, you know, and, uh, and really just families and friends and everything? I thought that was um, a pretty incredible feeling. Uh, I think it really showed um, how much we'd worked hard for this. Other people um, were starting to notice that, you know, we were working hard in these games and we were really playing as a team. Uh, one of our freshmen said after one of the games, you know, it's fun after the games for people to come up to you and say, hey, that was a really fun game to watch. Win or lose, we were playing as a team. We were taking the best shot. And I think even our the fans and spectators and family and friends could see that, you know, we were really – we really wanted this, and um, we were kind of putting our hearts out on the court and playing hard as a team. So, John, what did you see from your your seniors down the stretch there? Well, you know, to go back to the that four game losing streak, and yeah, and knowing how well this this, this the team had done, knowing that we had been at one point in you know first place, and knowing how tough it is to be in one of those spots for the qualifying for the tournament and the you know the level of play. Um, and that's mid-January. It's, it's the grind. It's you know for everything at that point um, where we are academically, where the season is uh, athletically, and for them to be able to regroup and you know that weekend with the William Smith RIT, uh, you know having known what had happened when we we were out west with them, knowing that we were literally sandwiched between one. You know William Smith was was one game above us and. IT was one game below us, and the, the ability to, you know, come in, play as a team, play with that energy and excitement and execute and perform under pressure, you know, again, I don't know how conscious it is, but I think that did then carry on going forward. Um, but like the women said, prior to that, the week of practice prior to that and how they regrouped and then came in with, you know, a renewed energy and, and um focus and excitement, and um, I think that was huge, and that carried on 
know, especially through the North Country trip. And, you know, we talked afterwards. It's been a long time, I, you know, since we've been able to sweep up north. Um, mm-hmm. And that also, how that played into our then securing, you know, a spot in, um, in the tournament and where that position was in the tournament to be able to host. Um, so all those things coalesced. And, you know, I, again, it's the team and, and their ability to come together as a unit um, and the leadership, particularly of, of the seniors, of folks to come in and um, keep everyone focused on the task um, and not settling for inferior effort, but at the same time keeping everyone excited. And um, I think the women, you know, these seniors particularly, have, have done a wonderful job all year of keeping everyone part of the family day in and day out and doing little things to make a difference outside of basketball as much as on on the court to keep everyone engaged and have everyone knowing that they are a vital part of the team, regardless of how much time they play and what position they play and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, I know teams say it all the time and, you know, it can be a cliche, but every huddle, pretty much every huddle we had was family. And I think they really helped establish that environment. And that trust and love of family really carried through, I think, all through the season, especially when you're in a position of um, a challenging position, like where you come off of having lost four close games that really matter a lot for the league and then be able to rebound in that back from that because of that love and care for each other. Um, I think it really showed through down the stretch. Um, and, you know, the other thing, the, the part about the fans, um, you know, you never can discount how much that helps when you know you have support of family and friends and classmates and um, folks from other, other teams and just fans in general. Um, and to see those people there, and, you know, we almost had full houses, I think, for senior weekend and for the conference playoff game. Um, and I also don't want to put a shout-out to the seniors, particularly Celia, going out there and, and really making a point of, getting the message out about our being playing. And, um, you know, obviously it helps to win this ourselves and the men's team having successful years. That helps. But then the little other things about putting stuff on Instagram and posters around campus and stuff like that to really get folks excited and then to go to what they were saying, you know, sort of like the product on the floor. When they come and see the game and they see the effort and the ability levels of our team and the no, no die, you know, um, um, and attitude and, and, and performance, I think that really shows a lot. You know, we had this, like we have fans that actually made the trip to the North Country. Which, you know, we've obviously we have family and um, we and friends that go, but like fans who aren't in any way, as far as I know, related to our our players to make that trip and to make the trip down to Pennsylvania for the ECAC, and that's pretty special when you have that kind of loyalty. Um, and excitement from people. And it does help a lot, I think. Uh, no, that's, no, that's pretty cool that you had folks following you up there. Um, you guys, uh, you know, season, regular season, Liberty League uh, season ended in the, in the league semifinals and overtime in Ithaca. Um, I'm sure it was tough, but the opportunity to play in the ECACs came about, and uh, was that something that you players were excited about, and, and why was that? As seniors, I think overall we were excited just to have the opportunity to keep playing basketball. Um, we were all really 
tired. I know that mentally and physically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was an opportunity to play more games and to play together a few more times. So, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a fun experience. And I need to know what it was like because I, I didn't see any of it. Uh, to play against a team like Wooded Mercy that ran the system. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it ended up, well, it ended up with you guys setting the school record for rebounds, uh, the fourth most ever in, in Division Three NCAA history and the most by any school since 1988. Uh, so maybe it didn't feel that way when you were playing it, but maybe maybe you did feel like you were grabbing a lot of boards. I'm not sure. How, but I want to I hear each of your uh, opinions of, of that situation. Um, I think it was really a different experience playing a team like that. Uh, it was definitely a lot faster-paced game. Um, it was kind of a grind the whole time because they were always pressing. Um, but I think it was also a lot of fun because there were a lot of possessions. Um, and obviously it was it was great to kind of set that record and get that many rebounds. For sure. And uh, the other two? Um, um, I thought it was really different. Um, it, d it definitely did not feel like we um, got so many rebounds when we were playing. But it was... <laughs> It was a really um, interesting in strategy, and I really enjoyed playing um, that game just because it was so different. You love to run in that. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, similar. Similar, similar yeah. Game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you guys, uh, seniors, and like you know, unlike some of your classmates in athletics, you know, you got to finish your senior season. Um, so you know. How uh, you know thankful are you of that when you know, a lot of kids in the spring had their seasons cut short? Go ahead. Um, I know I'm super thankful. Uh, I think we've all worked really hard for the season, and I know um, a lot of spring athletes who didn't get to play at all um, who have worked just as hard. So I can't imagine kind of what a big loss that is for them. Um, we're so blessed. We worked so hard um, in postseason last year and preseason this year that we kind of got to finish out our season and and have and give it all that we needed. So I think we're very lucky. Yeah, we're definitely really lucky. I couldn't imagine being a senior and having that happen. It has to be devastating. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that's, uh I know you you have uh, you know looking forward to working. You guys all have. You know, jobs lined up for now. It's, it's obviously a, a different time, but uh, you know, what are you guys doing in your, I guess, plenty of free time now, other than finishing up school? I know you guys have class, uh, probably class today. Um, a lot of you did too. Uh, so, you know, what, what's it like living this kind of odd, uh, odd life, finishing up your your collegiate careers in the classroom? Oh well, for me, it's been like I've been working out a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I've been having to prepare for the FE, which is the fundamentals fundamentals of engineering exam that I'll be taking soon, um, if if possible. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, definitely a lot of free time that we get to enjoy. Um, I'm still in Troy with um, Sam mm -hmm. and Sara, so it's been it's it's fun having like the last chance to hang out with the team instead of going home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sam, what are you up to? I guess you're <laughs> hanging out with the crew there. Yeah, hanging out with the crew here. My studio final was a few days ago. So the the most of my work is done. So I guess I'm just working out until uh, I figure out when my job is um, going to start. Architecture majors, I'm sure, is challenging. I think from what I remember, either the your third or fourth year is, is the most difficult. Is that true still? 
Yeah, what, there's there's one studio that's really difficult, and whichever year you end up taking that, whether it's third or fourth, um, that year that year is really challenging. That was I took that studio the year I didn't play as well as. Oh right. Program, yeah. And then Celia. Um, yeah, I've been working out. Um, kind of a funny story. I was actually removed from ECAV by public safety the other day for um, running in the field. But, um, yeah, I've just been working out, um, trying to keep busy, trying to be outside. And uh, before I let you guys go, I just want to know what kind of, you know, I know you, have, you, you develop relationships as much as you can with the freshman class and the you know, sophomores you've been able to play with for, for multiple years and, and juniors, but uh, – uh, what kind of, you know, words of wisdom have you think you've passed down? And maybe not words per se, but just like, uh, you know, uh, just a feeling about how, you know, this team can build off this year and have it not be just a, bl a blip on the radar. I think um, one of the things, I don't know about um, Sammy Ness, but I tried to stress to the freshmen is um, I wasn't a huge contributor my first two years, um, so I try to stress that, you know, if you work hard, um, you can really achieve anything. Um, if you want to start, if you want minutes, um, you just have to kind of put in that work. Um, and then the other is that at the end of the day, you know, basketball is over now, but what's left is the relationships we still have with our team um, and our coaches. So I think that's um, incredibly important for the remaining um, freshmen, sophomore, and juniors is to kind of maintain those relationships and build trust and unity and um, leadership and respect. So I think that's um, kind of one of the things I've tried to pass on to the team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing I was thinking about was like, don't wait so long to be a leader, or because I know coming into this my fifth year, I had more confidence, but also like I I didn't take it for granted. I did things more purposefully, um, as well as like leading the team because it was my last chance too. So yeah. I feel like um, I think about like, oh, if I had done that a few years earlier, like how could things have turned out? But yeah, just like it's never too early to start like taking it serious or like playing like it's your last season and that's you're obviously a little bit more of a, of a quiet leader as far as that goes but you know at least from the outside what kind of uh things you look to instill at least maybe playing by uh, by example and the like um well i think they sam and Zilla said it pretty much all i think um yeah working from freshman year since like the first uh, moment you get on the court it's really important, and I think um, that's, like, something we all do, so I think it's looking great moving forward. And, uh, John? Well, one of the things that um, I really want to throw in, again, with particularly with the seniors, is the teaching aspect that I hope that, you know, is sort of, like, ingrained in, in our program, um, but I know definitely with them, um, you know, that, that they – from the beginning when they're freshmen and sophomores, that they're being taught by the other sophomores, juniors, seniors. And then as you, you know, move through your, your time in the program and at school, that you become more of a teacher. I mean, you're always learning, um, but that they become a teacher and a mentor. And, you know, like, we have our position partners and, and those things. But to go to the on-court part of teaching but the other things that they all mentioned in terms of the leadership and the respect and the care and those that that's being passed on. And um, when it comes to our team returners as well as the incoming for next year, that those are qualities and aspects that have been passed on by Sam and Ines and Celia 
um, to the returners and, and you know, hopefully even through to the first years, if not directly but indirectly. And some of the things that were mentioned, like Sam won't tell you this, but I know that she's been communicating with Lowe about stepping into that role of a leadership point guard next year as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And things that Sam, you know, had did, had done, excuse me, to, you know, to prepare herself in the off season to do that and to encourage her to be doing that. Um, and the reach out by, you know, the folks who are going to graduate and not be able to, you know, play in the uniform again, but they care that much about the program going forward. And, um, you know, we have a Zoom call last night, and it was all the returners and all the incoming first years. And part of the, you know, that welcoming process and that transference of care and expectations and um, desire for the individual to improve as well as for the team. And I think, you know, one of the things, and Celia mentioned it before when you asked her about her performance this year and expectation, I, I think the idea that any individual accomplishment, that the purpose of it and is for the accomplishment of the team. And when people truly are teammates, and I think that's one of the greatest gifts that the three seniors that we have right here and anyone in the program over the years is able to help keep cultivating, you know, beyond the time that they're here. Um, understanding how tough it is academically at RPI and how tough it is to be a student athlete um, and knowing that you have to have that love and sense of joy about it, um, that if you don't have those, you're not going to be successful individually and the team won't be successful um, collectively. And it's great to know that we have folks that have that experience while they're here, try to pass that experience on, and all the knowledge and all the um, aspects of being a student athlete that coaches, much as we've had our experience, we haven't been student athletes at, at Rensselaer, and they have been. And they're able to share that, you know, learn from and share the mistakes and how they learned from them and, and pass on the things that they did that worked well and why they were successful and, um, it, again, it, it's a privilege for me to see that, and um, it's always bittersweet this time of year because the three of them to go on to the next phase of their life, um, you know, as well as Lindsay who's graduating in three years, the fact that um, we got to be part of their journey, and now they're going on to do wonderful things, And um, but we are not going to see them on a daily basis, but we know that part of them never leaves because it's being shared with the returners and the incoming folks. For more than 35 years, CDPHP has been keeping you in the game by providing top-notch healthcare coverage, superior customer service, and the tools you need to live your healthiest life. They're also a proud sponsor of your RPI engineers. CDPHP, a plan for life.